We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Welcome to the Budding Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Barrow, and making his Budding Heads debut, though far from his first Ram Talk Podcast, I'm with Norm Tower here. How are we doing, Norm? Hey, it's nice to be a butthead tonight. <laughs> I'm a butthead every week, man. You gotta love it. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy to be on the show. Yeah, we're excited to have you, and we're gonna get uh, my resident cheesehead, Michael Biermeister, on here later on, but... First, I figured we bring in Norm. He missed the post game podcast last week, so we're going to talk some a little bit of the 49ers game and then just some general Ram stuff here. But first, don't forget, you guys could follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, Spotify, and on iebeatradio.com, where our show airs Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific. And before we get into it, so we can just get right into everything, I do want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors here, and that is Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood Steam, 
Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive line for the team from 1953 to 1957. It's the son's story of his father and the team he left, he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Guys, he played with some legendary guys here like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter, and this story spanning the 1950s LA Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available in hardback and electronic form and Derek said it's coming out in paperback soon, and you can find that on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and a lot of other various booksellers around the web. Everyone, this book is worth every penny for any Rams fan out there. You know, I know we all love anything that has to do with the Rams here, but this book also gives you a little bit of a personal touch. It's a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, trust me, you're going to want to check out this book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is worth your time. All right, Norm, so... I filled in for you on the post-game podcast this week, but I do want to hear, how'd you feel about this nice little blowout we had against San Francisco? Well, you know, it's interesting that Derek always says something like, you know, it's got to be a smart aleck and say, like, I had to be in bed or something. I was visiting <laughs> family. So, sorry I couldn't make it uh, on that one, but I'm glad to be on here. You know, it's uh, one of those it's one of those games where the offense really wasn't the offense that we're used to, but the defense stepped up big. And I'll take that. You know, when uh, when your team isn't maybe clicking on all cylinders in one area, but the defense comes in and Donald gets four sacks and and Littlefield plays like a crazy man and we get four turnovers, you know, and all those points off of turnovers, that's, you know, that just shows that we're a, a well-rounded team, not just an offensive juggernaut, but a well-rounded team. And that's kind of what I'm looking forward to for the rest of the season. So, I was really happy with the game, you know, I mean, 39-10, I'll take it. I think my favorite part is that I think we all agree that this wasn't our best offensive performance. We scored 39 points. And I know, isn't that something? <laughs> it's, I never in a million years would have imagined that, like, that those words would have come out of my mouth about the Rams. Now, even the fact that we're 7-0, and just us sitting here like, yeah, they won 39 and nothing, but it, it really wasn't their best offensive game. And, you know, they I thought they were fine on offense, but it definitely wasn't their most explosive performance. It was, you know, the first game in a while that the offense didn't need to dominate. Um, I, I'd say the last time would have been they took over that second half against the Raiders. But, yeah, I mean, there's no reason not to be happy about this. The uh, 39 to 10, we all said we needed a blowout. We got the blowout, and it, it feels good to finally get that. Now, there was a specific thing that I wanted to key in that we didn't get into too much. and in de- We got into it a little bit on the post game, and I'm going to touch on it later with beer. But the secondary in this game. Now, they came out and they performed in a big way. Marcus Peters, um, he only allowed two, two receptions for four yards on plays that he was targeted on. Uh, that's his best of the year since week two against Arizona where – he didn't really allow anything. Uh, obviously, in the last couple weeks, he hasn't seemed as sharp, but he finally seems back to form. And Troy Hill, who, after getting decimated by Denver secondary, pretty much, even though, um, yeah, he got he got beat that game. Comes back with a nice little game here, according to uh, the website I'm using at player playerprofile.com. He only gave up 14 yards through the air. So, Norm, I, I want a couple things here, you know. How do you feel about, do you think Marcus Peters is back to the guy that we thought he was going to be and saw early on in the season? 
Or do you think that all of this performance is more of a result of who the 49ers are? Well, I, I watched Marcus Peters after the game when he was walking across the field with the Rams horns on. And I don't think he was, you know, doing a swag strut or anything. He still looks like he's limping. And I I don't know that it was a result of him being so great as it was, you know, having uh, Beathard running for his life throughout the whole game. But I'm hoping he's back. And it's, you know, those stats certainly, you know, would back it up. But I, I still have my doubts a little bit. I'm hoping that, you know, as time goes on and he didn't, he didn't have a lot of plays thrown at him, which is, you know, maybe because of him or maybe it's just because the defense is playing well. But I'm hoping it got him a little bit of rest because uh, he's going to need all the help he can get this week, you know, facing Aaron Rodgers. As far as Troy Hill goes, it's it's one of those great this week, horrible last week. You know, is it going to keep going like that? I hope not. He's certainly going to be tested against Aaron Rodgers. And... You know, I, I'm a I'm a Troy Hill fan. I know a lot of people are going to boo that, but that's okay. You know, the fact that he's from Oregon, I've followed his career. I know a lot about him. He, he's he's hot sometimes, and then he's cold sometimes. And I'm really hoping he can just, you know, the more playing time he gets, hopefully he'll get acclimated into this and, you know, maybe become a shutdown corner. I don't know if he's capable of that, but I certainly hope that he, you know, that he is that way against Green Bay because Green Bay is in a position where they need to win bad. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, can he put the whole team on his back like he has been when they do win? Or is the Rams defensive line and linebackers going to put enough pressure on him that Troy Hill and Marcus Peters don't have to do everything back there? And that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I'm not out on Troy Hill either. Uh, I don't think he'll ever become a shutdown corner like you mentioned. But for the role that he plays in this team, usually uh, he's fine. He's for your reserve cornerback to where if somebody gets hurt, he needs to come in and play, which he's he's been. That's mainly been his role with this team since he's gotten here. I think he's gotten better and better. And you know, now with him in there, I'm not super confident in him. You know, if there's a good cornerback we could get at the trade deadline for a small price because you know given that as far as we know Talib will be back for the playoffs we don't this isn't set in stone but it seems likely I don't want to give up a big pick for a cornerback but I think Troy Hill being a backup and being that he's kind of got to get thrown in there I think he's okay he's not being asked to be the number one cornerback and that kind of comes full circle to Marcus Peters that's what we need him to be and He's been a little hit and miss this year. I, you know, he's walking around with those Rams horns, man. I do love him as a part of this team. He's he <laughs> seems just like he's having the time of his life. Uh, even though those games with Talib, they just seem like they're having such a blast for two guys that some people thought were going to ruin the chemistry of this team, which kind of now in hindsight seems crazy because Peter seems like he's just having a good time out there. It seems like everybody loves him, and this will be a huge test for him. You know, he's almost certainly going to be shadowing Devonta Adams. And he did, you know, you mentioned he didn't get his number called this week. I like to call that the Namdi Asimov rule. The less we hear about you, the better you are, or at least the better people are going to assume you are and not throw it near you like they did with Namdi Asimov for years. But with Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers this week, which is obviously 
much different than going up against Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin, and C.J. Beathard. It'll be interesting to see how he steps up in that matchup, and I'm wondering how confident you are that he can at least contain and let alone shut down Devontae Adams, and which will probably be the matchup to watch or one of the matchups to watch in the secondary. If he is completely healthy, I have all the confidence in the world he can do it. I worry about him taking a few risks, but that also, you know, big risk, big reward sometimes. But you can also get burned really bad. So I'm hoping he's back and, and physically able to cover him like, you know, 100%. But I, I don't know if he is. I am curious to see how Sam Shields will play a role in this game, considering he came from the Packers. You know, he, I mean, he had his year off and stuff, but, you know, he has a lot of history with them, knows a lot about Aaron Rodgers. So I'm curious to see if he'll see more playing time. And I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is as mobile as he usually is with that knee brace on. I mean, he looked pretty good last week when he was running the or week before last when he was running the football. So, you know, I'm, I'm, if the Rams can get enough pressure on him from the, from the front, you know, front three or four, depending on how they have it set up. I, I have confidence that Peters will be able to do the job. It's just Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and you just never know what's going to happen with him. He is so damn good, man, and obviously you're you're scared of him. And yeah, I, I'm with you on on Peters. I think that if he's you know, 90, 95 percent, I'm I'm confident in him in this matchup. I just I did think of a question down here that. Uh, you kind of mentioned how Peters, you know, he takes risks sometimes. In a matchup with Aaron Rodgers, because I'm trying to think of how I would answer this, would you rather our cornerbacks play conservatively or take these risks? Because on one hand, you know Aaron Rodgers might get you on the plays where you take risks, but on the other hand, hey, there's a good chance he gets you on the ones you don't do. Right. I, I think you have to you have to be a little more calculated when you play Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think you want to try to jump a route um, necessarily too many times because he'll throw, you know, they'll, he'll have the receiver throw a double move and he'll pump fake you and send it, you know, in the stratosphere past you and you're, you're toast. So yeah. I think they need to take some calculated risks if they're going to do that. Uh, I just, you know, it looks like Aaron Donald's back to form. Uh, not that he wasn't informed before, but, you know, each game he's becoming more and more dominant. And, uh, you know, with him being so dominant, I'm expecting them to start double teaming him a lot, which should open up Sue and Brockers. And then Corey Littleton has played phenomenal, not only, you know, pass rushing and stuff, but in coverage, he's been really good. And so I, I'm a little more confident than I than I would have been earlier in the year now that Littleton's got some experience and, you know, our, our line seems to be really gelling. It, it's a good time to face Aaron Rodgers right now. Obviously I'd rather have Tlaib in there with Marcus Peters. I don't know. I think they're going to be all right. I don't, as, as good as Aaron Rodgers is, I can't see them putting up 35 points against the Rams. I, I think the Ram. I think the Rams will put up 35. So that was kind of part of my prediction. I do think that this the Packers will score more points than we expect just because, you know, it's hard to get them out of a game completely. But I, I am confident, especially given uh, – C.J. Beathard got sacked seven times on Sunday. 
that the Packers line isn't that great. And Rodgers is kind of going to be running for his life in this game. And as good as he is, and you know, like I said, he might be a little hampered. But even with how him being hampered, he's still pretty mobile. Uh, getting getting him on the run is going to be a crucial part of succeeding in this game. Especially as as we've mentioned many times, Rao on Talib. And yeah, Corey Littleton's awesome, man. He's he's just having a hell of a year. He's going to throw a wrench in our, our cap in the offseason because I think we're going to want to stay, keep him. But... We'll see what happens there. Let's let's flip it around to the Rams offense here. Just one thing I want to touch on, and that's Cooper Cup, who McVay came out to say, and I believe he said it's up in the air um, if he's going to play on Sunday. He'll have a chance, but in, um, if I were to bet on it, I probably think that they hold him out another week. You know, we're 7-0. and There's no need to rush a guy back like that. We're, we're playing the long game. But Cup aside, Norm, I'm curious how you have felt about the guys who have been asked to, you know, contribute a little more in Cup's absence because the guys like Josh Reynolds and uh, Gerald Everett and now Nick Williams, we didn't see much. We didn't see them do a whole lot on Sunday. Well, I mean, honestly, you didn't see the Rams offense do a whole lot. I, I mean, that's hard yeah. hard to believe when they scored that many points. But I think Goff had under two hundred yards, didn't he? He had two hundred two. Okay, so right at 200 yards. Right there, yeah. You know, Gurley had, I think, under 60. You know, it's it's one of those situations where you didn't have to have the big game. And so I guess it's hard to judge, you know, how those players really did affect the game. I, I would think Gerald Everett's going to get more involved. The one play that, that he was thrown to, uh, it was red 100%. He had no chance. And, you know, it wasn't his fault. I'd like to see him get more involved. I think he could have a big game against the Packers. I, I really think that, you know, Derek and I touched on this on our podcast a little bit. He, It seems like McVeigh is using the pass to set up the run more than the run to set up the pass. And I worry a little bit about that sometimes. I'd love to see them come out and rush the football against the Packers and, you know, kind of keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and then start using those wide receivers. I think Reynolds has an opportunity to really show his stuff here. You know, and he's one of those guys where you, you, I, I kind of feel like you don't know how, you know, how he's going to show up that one. Yeah, I know that you guys were making fun of him on that one uh, fake punt. And, uh, <laughs> we were a little, I, we may have been a little too hard on him about the fake punt. <laughs> Well, it did seem like a lot of lack of effort there. Yeah. But then he, but then he comes in the next week when when Cup goes out and does fairly well. And then last week, you know, there wasn't much there. I think I think Jared Goff does miss Cooper Cup because he's kind of his go-to guy, and I, I think there's an effect on the team with him being out. But I don't know that it's we have so many weapons. I don't know that it's that big a deal. Robert Wood steps up big time, and and you know now that we have uh, Brandon Cooks. I mean, everybody doubted him when he came in, and I kept telling everybody, look, he's good, and he's been proving that so far. So, I I mean, I really think we'll be fine. I think those guys will do okay. Uh, I, I, like you, I, I would like them to hold Cup out another week and have him ready for New Orleans. I think that's I think that's a better way to go. Yeah, there's, there's really no re- need to rush him back, in my opinion. And with him out, it's... I kind of thought it would be like this. It's been more 
let's get the other guys a little more involved rather than let's get another guy involved. You know, instead of getting Josh Reynolds, Cooper Cup's targets, we're just going to split them between Cooks and Woods and Gurley. And at Gerald Everett, who I would like to see a little bit more of, we all know in reality he's still very raw and he's not there yet to be counted on as every down player. One thing that is crazy about the passing game is Goff threw for more yards in the Vikings game than he did over the last two weeks combined. He, <laughs> yeah. And crazy. it's wild. And this week, I think we can all agree he played well. Yeah, He wasn't asked to do a whole lot. He didn't need to. He went 18 to 24, 202 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. He was, the Denver game was kind of rough for him, but I, I, it's fine. Uh, we got out of there with a win. No player in the NFL is going to have a good game every single week. And if that's his worst game of the year, then we're in great shape because you know, he wasn't great, but we've seen plenty of worse games from quarterbacks this year. The, it's mad. It is wild that he only, with how much we were throwing the ball, he's only thrown for 400 yards over the past two weeks. Um, yeah, so one quick thing before – or there's two things before we let you go, Norm, is – I wanted to see – we've seen a couple trades over the past couple days. We saw Carlos Hyde get shipped out to Jacksonville. We saw Amari Cooper go to the Cowboys for a first-round pick. We saw Eli Apple go to the Saints for a fourth and a seventh-round pick. Teams are starting to kind of load up here for the for the playoff run. Uh, the trade deadline is on Tuesday. Do you, How do you – any of these moves kind of stick out to you, good or bad? And do you think the Rams are going to try and make a move here? Well, to answer the first part of your question, the Cowboys, a first round pick for an unproven product and Amari Cooper, I think good for the Raiders and bad for the Cowboys. I don't think he's going to make that much a difference for them, but you never know. Apple to the Saints, I thought was a pretty good move. Uh, Carlos Hyde was a good move as well to the Jaguars. I... On the second part, the Rams have been really unpredictable. When you think they're not going to make a move, they do. You know, we didn't see the whole Tlaib thing and the Marcus Peters thing coming. I don't think we saw Cooks coming either. um, I mean, it had been mentioned in the past, and I kind of thought it might happen if it worked out, but it was still kind of a shock too. So I think they're pretty well set. They could go after an outside linebacker and they could go after another corner. And right now there's a cornerback out there wanting to be traded. And I know, you know, everybody's like Patrick Peterson. Do we really want him or not right now? His contract this year, he's at $11 million. That's for him. That's kind of a bargain. I don't know how we could work the cap space, but you know, you could probably get him for a second or a third round pick. It might not be a bad idea in case Tlaib doesn't come back. So that's a thought. Uh, other than that, I really don't see him doing much. I mean, they, they could use some linebacker help if there's somebody out there. But, you know, we don't know if, if Oboe is going to be ready to go and if he's going to come out and make an impact or not. Uh, with Littleton playing better and Barron back, I don't know that they really need to do a whole lot. So I would say if they make a move, it's going to be a fair cornerback. And the real, only one that's really a name out there that's kind of maybe up on the market is Patrick Peterson. 
Yeah, I think the problem with acquiring Peterson would be now if we could get him for a third round pick, you just make the money work. A second round pick, I don't believe we have a second round pick next year, right? Traded, I'm not sure. I think I believe we traded it for Marcus Peters, and then a first round pick. While I think he's a hundred percent worth it, money wise, and the fact that Talib is coming back, if you know Talib is done for the year. Like if if there's a setback and they know that, I'd trade a first round pick for Patrick Peterson. Go all in. Then there's the problem of I don't know if Arizona wants to trade Patrick Peterson at all, let alone to us in the same division. But um, if if he's available for a first round pick, that that's a thing we should definitely contemplate because as far as this season and next season go, the money would work. We'd be able to make it work if, if Tlaib was gone and we might have to move another player. But um, the, the money would work, and then beyond that, we we could figure it out when we get there. So he's definitely an interesting player to watch. And me personally, I think an outside linebacker is more likely. Just because You mentioned all the guys, you know, Oboe's coming back. But we are going for a title right now. We're going for a title run, and Oboe is – probably the the least certain thing that we could have there right now just because he hasn't played now i believe that he will be a productive player but as if they're not confident in the starting outside linebackers right now then i think you go out and make a move but they might feel good about him and you know i'm i'm fine with them i think we can win with them what's up everyone we did have some technical difficulties with our podcast here my mic may or may not have come unplugged and we lost about 10 minutes of the conversation with norm but just to wrap up what we had and we didn't get a chance to re-record it we touched on two things about the trade deadline one was that should the team not make a move for a cornerback or a outside linebacker which i think is the more likely route and i believe that it's probably more of a position of need given that we don't know what we're going to get back from Oko. Um, Abu Cam and Longacre, they've been they've been okay, but it's definitely the weak length of the defense, especially given how good Corey Littleton has been, and now we have Mark Barron back. I think inside linebacker isn't too much of a concern. If they were to make a room move, and they have the cap space to do it that they cleared up in the offseason that didn't uh, get affected by the Aaron Donald signing, I think outside linebacker will be the position to go. If they don't make a move in either of those positions, whether it's cornerback or outside linebacker me and norm kind of agreed that quarterback is of a possibility here getting a backup quarterback as just an insurgency policy for goff you look at teams like new orleans teams like baltimore if their goes guy goes down nothing's going to change because they're in contention for a super bowl meanwhile a team like jacksonville who probably might be shopping for a quarterback at the deadline they don't have anybody it's cody kessler and blake bortles so i think Look for the team, if they could get like a Tyrod Taylor for a 6th or 7th round pick, I think that would be a smart move. His contract is a little much, but we can fit it under the cap right now, I, I believe. If not, I think you would see the Browns help us out with the money there. RG3 is another name to keep an eye on. Just because you know a guy like RG3, a guy like Tyrod, we've seen what they can do. When it comes to Sean Mannion, I personally don't have any faith that he can be a guy to get us to a Super Bowl. And Norm echoed my thoughts here, although he is a longtime Sean Mannion fan. But 
I don't think any of us are very confident if that's the guy we have moving forward um, as our guy if Jared Goff goes down. But anyways, bef- I think want to thank Norm for coming on. It was great to have him, and we'll have him back on Butting Heads. And we're about to have my good friend Michael Biermeister here. But before we do, we're going to have a quick shout-out to our sponsor at the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and you like that old-school classic barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, that's 714-894-7267. You're going to want to give him a call so he knows you're coming, guys. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows who sent you. He knows he's getting a knowledgeable Rams fan. You're going to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it. Not only for all the great Rams Miller Billy you're going to find there, but Sal also provides that old-school barbershop experience. He's going to talk about football with you. He's going to talk about the Rams. He's going to talk about whatever else you want to talk about. Trust me, guys. It's an experience you won't regret. It's a Golden Ram Barbershop. All right. I am here with WBKB Northern Michigan news anchor at the 6 and 11 spots, Michael Biermeister. He formerly hosted a podcast with me called Bold Predictions that we did for a year. R.I.P. R.I.P. And he is my resident Packers expert. So how are we doing, Beer? Glad to have you on the show. We are not doing too well, little Stevie. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to call you little Stevie because we got we to gotta keep Bold Predictions alive. We got to. Some way. But it's been a, a tough couple of days. I mean, the Brewers losing Game 7 to L.A. That's a dagger in your heart. The Packers almost getting upset by the 49ers. That could have been terrible. That that would have crushed all my dreams. Uh, Michigan destroying Wisconsin in football. That was awful. So it's been a rough couple of weeks. But there are some positives. There are some positives. And they're called the Milwaukee Bucks. They've been killing it. They look amazing. Bucks might be the best team in the NBA. Yeah, I yeah, said it. Yeah, yeah. Giannis is definitely the light at the tunnel or the end of the tunnel for the Cheeseheads out there right now, given everything else. I was very bummed when the Brewers lost. They're not my team, but I had to root for the Milwaukee team as we are Marquette alums here. Amen. And, you know, it's tough, but hey, they exceeded expectations. And next year we're going to be locked and loaded and focused. Yeah, I feel like it's been a long time since the Brewers have been that close to a World Series. So you got you to gotta be happy about it in that regard. But all right, we're, we're here to talk about the Packers. So, Beer, I'm going to give you – your, your mic here. You can let me know how the season has gone in Green Bay, how you guys feel, because it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Everyone's really nervous <laughs> because it's a constant – every game is just stressful, to be honest. Every game the Packers play to their opponent, and you know that take that San Francisco game, for example. San Francisco is not a good team, but they the Packers secondary made C.J. Beathard look like a goddamn genius. Like, this guy looked like the next Tom Brady out there. So when you have that going on, when your secondary decides to just shit the bed, when you don't run your best running back at all, uh, when your, your receivers drop passes, make stupid mistakes, it is, it's brutal. But I think as Packers fans, we're kind of used to that. When the Packers won the Super Bowl, it was a lot like that. There were a lot of games that were very questionable. And that's kind of the way that usually Green Bay – goes throughout the season i mean they've had a couple exceptions here or there 
But, I mean, the big thing is building as the season goes on. And it's getting that growth together. And that's kind of what we're witnessing right now. We have a lot of young receivers. We have a lot of young secondary players. And they're, they're just trying to get better every week. But when you want to challenge teams like the L.A. Rams, who are stacked, the New England Patriots, you know, when you want to see them down the line, you want your guys to be playing that well now. So every game isn't like that. So we could wipe out the San Francisco 49ers, not win by, like, two points. I mean, it's brutal. But... It's always a roller coaster. It's always fun. Uh, you know, it just sucks sometimes. <laughs> it sucks. And the fact that now the Packers coming off of a bye week, going in, you know, to play Los Angeles, arguably the best team in the league right now. I mean, uh, we don't even need to argue that. All right. We know. I, think, I mean, you have the best running back in Todd Gurley. You have an outstanding defense and Aaron Donald leading the charge. Jared Goff is coming into his own. They have so many different weapons they can hit you with. That is... As a Packers fan, hell yeah, I'm nervous. I'm, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose this game. Yeah, it's looking at the schedule for you guys. I mean, it's already been a roller coaster this year, and four out of your five next games are on the road. The home game is Miami. That'll probably be a win. But the four road games are the Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the Vikings. So four tough teams in four tough environments, and then after that, it's Arizona, Atlanta, at Chicago at the Jets, home against the Lions. So, I mean, there's a chance you guys go 1-4 in the next five and then 4-1 and in the next five and end up making the playoffs at, what would you be, 9-7? You got the tie in there. So I yeah. can't do that math in my head. I haven't seen a Packers tie in quite some time, so that was kind of exhilarating. Though, here's the thing about the Packers. If we look back at the games they've played, I mean, they should have beaten Minnesota. That should have been a win. And they should have beaten Detroit. It's it's not the, anyone. I mean, it's Mason Crosby's fault. He missed five field goals. When does that ever happen? Yeah, what, like he missed an extra point too. How the hell does that happen? That's then, a fluke. So that, I mean, realistically, the Packers could be looking good going into this game, but they didn't. I mean, and that those those losses could hurt down the line. The good thing for them too is right now it's a weak NFC. There's you know, the Rams are at the top. They're looking good. The Saints have a good record, and then. After that, it definitely falls off a bit. The um, the NFC East is a mess. The Eagles will probably end up taking that by default unless you know, Dallas Redskins. or Washington. Yeah, Don't yeah, well, Redskins are okay. Oh, they are four and two. Yeah, they, I think they've got a shot. I just have no faith in Alex Smith long term. But uh, they're they're up there right now. Your division, the Vikings, are obviously probably the top team right now. But I mean, everyone's tough in that division. Uh, so it's. It's going to be a tough road to the playoffs, but the good thing is, you know, last year I think there was a lot of teams that were like 11, 12, 13 wins. This year I think we're going to see a lot more 10, 10 win teams in the playoffs, maybe even some nine win wild card teams. And for the Packers, I think that's that's going to be good. But the one thing you always have going for you is Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, week one he he suffered that injury. Deshaun Kaiser came in, played like Deshaun Kaiser. Oh, Rodgers, yeah. that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was brutal. That was brutal. And thank God for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, what a roller coaster of a game. So, you know, I'm wondering, has Rodgers looked hobbled at all by that injury? Has he just been looking like Aaron Rodgers in your mind? You know, Aaron doesn't have the touch that maybe he used to have i think injuries have kind of taken a toll and as you get older in the nfl 
you know, you're going to slow down a bit more. You've taken some hits that have probably changed the way you see the game. However, I think it's more he needs to start working on clicking with his his younger receivers and and some of these new guys. I mean, it hasn't felt like he's had a Jordy Nelson or, um, you know, in in years past. Yeah, Jordy Nelson is the first one that comes to mind. Or you know, a, a, a solid connection with these receivers. Jimmy Graham and him are still building that relationship. I think, and if that can get consistent, I mean, you have a tight end threat similar to back when you had like your Michael Finley. Um, which Rodgers hasn't really had a true tight end in a while. I mean, you're building all these relationships. Geronimo Allison is a guy I really want to see come around because he is a beast. Devontae Adams has been solid. I think he could be doing more. There's been a couple of plays where just the, the drop passes were terrible. Lance Kendricks dropped a, a dime. That could have been a touchdown. Rams so legend think, Lance Kendricks. Yeah, yep, Lance <laughs> Kendricks. So I think he's still building those relationships with, with the players and, and – you know, trying to build through the season. That's the big thing for teams like Detroit and Green Bay. They're, they, you know, they don't have all the studs. They don't have all the pieces uh, to shine right away. Like the Rams have been building up their team over the past few years. I mean, you look at all the weapons they have now. They should be executing like they are. And it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. The Packers, they kind of have to build on these new relationships. You also have a new offensive coordinator and you have a new defensive coordinator too. So there's a lot of learning going on right now, and I think Rodgers is frustrated. I think he wants to see that offense back where it was you know, a couple of years ago or where it usually is when he's fully healthy for the season. But there's a lot of building that still needs to be done. And you know, having these next five games, yeah, it's, it's going to be brutal. I mean, going from New England to Seattle, that whole trip right there away, one, one, one side to the other, that's, that's tough. And you have, I mean, you throw L.A. in there, you throw Minnesota – that's not easy, but if anything, hopefully it will teach the players to continue building and, and you know fighting through games like this, playing to their competition. That's the goal. That's ultimately what you want to see. Yeah, and the Seattle game mix in there, I mean, that's probably the easiest opponent of the four away games, but that's almost going to be a must-win given that, you know, there's a chance they drop the Rams, the Patriots, and the Vikings. I you know, Knowing Aaron Rodgers, probably going to snag at least one of those, maybe even two, uh, hopefully not this week for us, but that's... <laughs> It's it's hard because I do feel like we're definitely, and I mean you probably agree we're definitely the better team here, but we don't have Aaron Rodgers. You know, as much as I love Jared Goff, that man is just he might be the best quarterback I've ever seen play. And I'm we're not that old, but we watched a lot of Brady and Manning's primes and Drew Brees, and I think yeah, purely on a talent perspective, Rodgers might be the guy. Before we get into like the actual matchup of the Rams here, I gotta ask as a fantasy owner. Why don't they give Aaron Jones the ball more? Dude, I have no idea. He is the best running back we have in that backfield. Yet Jamal Williams leads the team in carries. It's like, what the hell are we thinking? They need to use Jones all the time. And Ty Montgomery more, to be quite honest. Montgomery's got that power. You know, he's, He can change things up. They have a three-headed dog right now where they're playing the weakest head of that dog, if that makes sense. They're playing Jamal Williams way too much. Jones is a guy... Who can shake things up? He's averaging almost six yards a carry. I, I don't understand. It, and it's got to be frustrating for fantasy owners. Thank God I, I honestly didn't take Aaron Jones this year. But <laughs> he's the best player, Steve. Yeah. He's the best player, and we're not giving him the ball at all. I think if we had a better running attack, you know, if we handed the ball off more, you know, Rodgers wouldn't have to be afraid to get hit in the backfield or make mistakes to his receivers. 
like we'd have that running game so much as like the Rams do with Todd Gurley. Holy cow. I mean, they've got that down to a science, and that's a scary thing to have when you can change it up just like that. Yeah, man, it's nice. And Aaron Jones, he's played two less games than Jamal Williams, and he's like 30, I think 30 yards away, if I'm doing this math in my head right. And he played two less games, and he has substantially less carries. And that should just tell you everything you know. Everyone who's watched the Packers and has seen the eye test and knows that Aaron Jones is the better running back than Jamal Williams. The stats back it up. The eye test back it up. The only person who apparently disagrees is Mike McCarthy, who for whatever reason is going by this committee right now, when I feel like it should kind of clearly be Aaron Jones as the ground and pound guy and Montgomery coming in for the change of pace, catches the passes, because Williams isn't the the worst running back in the world, but he's clearly the worst of the three, I'd say. Oh, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. I don't, I don't understand it. And that's the frustrating thing when you're a Packers fan. It's not like we have had a really true running game in the past 10 years. I mean, I think Amon Green was probably the last great running back that the Packers have had that was able to move the ball efficiently. And we have a potential guy like that in Aaron Jones. So it doesn't make any sense. Hopefully we'll start playing him more. And hopefully we'll actually, you know, grind some games out. Like I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it blows my mind. It's really wild. Like it, it's something that like nobody can explain because Mike McCarthy, uh, he's been the coach for a while. He might not be the best coach in the league, but you don't hold that job for that long without at least being a good and competent coach. You know, say what we want about Marvin Lewis. He's gotten the Bengals to the playoffs a lot. Even though he hasn't won, that's why he's still there because he's co- he's competent and can get them there. They haven't always had the most talented teams, but he's able to get you know close to the most out of his guys. Not always the most, but McCarthy, he's been blessed with Aaron Rodgers, but he's also won a Super Bowl. He's gotten the Packers to the playoffs, but every once in a while there will just be something so inexplicable like this that he just doesn't respond to what the team clearly needs to go in a certain direction, and he just. Uh, in this case, refusing to bench Jamal Williams for the clearly better running back. Hey, man, join me. We're, we're jonesing for Jones. <laughs> we're jonesing for some Jones. <laughs> yeah, I'm jonesing for some Jones, too. The one fantasy league I had him in, I traded him for Amari Cooper and J.J. High. So that's instead of been a bit of a roller coaster trade that nobody's won yet because Ajay <laughs> is gone. And Cooper will see now that he's in Dallas. Um, so let's. Let's talk quick about how you feel about this offense as a whole, you know, going against a Rams defense. The Rams defense is interesting because they they had a couple rough games here. They up until this week where they finally got a blowout win against ironically enough San Francisco, a game that they needed. They got kind of torched by the the Seahawks, Russell Wilson picked them apart. Kirk Cousins destroyed them in the passing game now both of those games we were lucky to get out with a win and uh, Denver they they kind of had their day on the ground but for the most part we we took care of business against Case Keenum but obviously when you're getting torched by Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson and then do fine against Case Keenum and CJ Beathard you're gonna be feeling more concerned about you know the past events here but how do you think the the Packers offense will fare, and how have they fared against some of the, like the the better defenses in the league that they played? It's 
I mean, you look at Chicago, who is who's really built up their defense, and it's it's nerve wracking. I mean, you have to hope for a shootout, to be honest, especially against a Rams defense like they have now. Aaron Rodgers can get the ball down the field. His receivers need to make sure they're catching the ball and getting open. That's been a huge problem. I mean, I think a couple of years ago something really changed where teams found out a, a way to kind of contain Rodgers, even though he's uncontainable. Like, they, they're able to shut down those receivers. And basically, you know, you get this Rodgers where he's scrambling out of the pocket. You know, he's making mistakes. He's fumbling. And that's what the Rams need to have happen. They really need to lock down those receivers. Because if they don't, I mean, the Packers are going to be in the game. It, the Packers themselves, their defense isn't going to be able to hold Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Jared Goff. So your offense has to convert. And that's been the scary part. They haven't been converting, you know, like we're used to up here in Green Bay because we're spoiled because we have Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah. You know, it's it's a shootout. That's what they need. That's They need Rodgers to be 100%, you know, not making any mistakes, finding those open guys and making sure his receivers get open. I mean, this is a game where you need folks like Geronimo Allison to step up. You need Jimmy Graham to be as consistent as ever, catching anything. You need Devontae Adams to be Devontae Adams, Mr. Showtime, do some work. So, and this is a game where you need Aaron Jones to play a lot of reps. I mean, you need those five to six yards so you get a quick third down and four and you're hitting Jimmy Graham on the money. I mean, that's how you move the ball. The Rams' rushing defense has been pretty hit or miss. For the most part, they've been good, but they did get torched by Seattle. And that that was a game that you, you didn't like to see Chris Carson and Mike Davis kind of putting in some work against us on the ground so Aaron Jones get him getting going is a realistic possibility and that'll definitely change how we play because I I expect the Rams to be a lot more concentrated in the pass for good reason because you know their secondary has been a little banged up and obviously the Packers have been concentrating on the pass that's that's been their biggest strength Aaron Jones could unlock the other part but nobody knows if Mike McCarthy's ever actually gonna let that happen and in this matchup here, you know, it brought out the two biggest X factors for me from both sides. The first being on the Ram side, Marcus Peters, uh, our top cornerback, obviously, who's he came out of the gates swinging with him and Akeem Talib. Then they both got injured. He began to struggle. He he had some tough games here and there, but finally had a nice, really really solid comeback performance against forty not the Forty ers Their receivers were completely blanketed, taken out of the game. Marcus Peters and place he was targeted he gave up a total of four yards so he's more than likely going to be shadow covering Devonta adams in this game if oh, he no yeah so that that's going to be the matchup because you know the rest of the rams they might struggle a little bit with geronimo and uh Randall cobb or whoever else is available there but if peters can contain adams and not let him be the big threat he's been all season i think that's going to be huge for the rams but on the flip side Jimmy Graham would be my X factor for the Packers because the Rams have struggled a little bit against the tight end. Last week, the only player on the 49ers offense that really did much of anything was George Kittle, who's a competent tight end. The only other real competent tight ends they played this year are Kyle Rudolph, who did all right, and my least favorite player, Jared Cook, who (laughs) (laughs) absolutely, yeah, Packer legend. Well, no, not only that. It was he, he was on the Rams, too, wasn't he? That's why, yeah. He, yeah. he was not good for us. And he comes yeah. out week one and get, goes for 180 yards 
So, I mean, I'm, I mentioned it on the, the show I was on Sunday with Derek and uh, Jake. It The tight end defense has concerned me. Uh, Kittle doing that well wasn't a good sign, but that might have been because they were more concentrated on shutting down everything else. But this Jimmy Graham, is he's not the player he was, and he doesn't really have the full chemistry with Aaron Rodgers yet, but... That's probably the most exploitable part of the Rams defense that I've seen from watching the games this year. And Aaron Rodgers is smart enough to know that, I think. And, you know, that's that's something the Rams, I hope they've kind of shored up and have a solid game plan going in to defend Jimmy Graham because it wouldn't shock me if he goes out there and it's the biggest factor in this passing game. He definitely hasn't clicked yet with Aaron Rodgers, but this would be a game where they would need to click. I mean, if if we're talking X-Factors, for the Packers, I'm saying Geronimo Allison or Randall Cobb need to be an X-Factor. Randall Cobb's coming back off of injury. I mean, he is a guy who, you know, never really was that number one receiver, but he's the guy that's got speed. He's got quickness. If he can get a ball, you know, he can create extra yards after the catch. And then Geronimo Allison, I mean, you have Devontae Adams locked up. Allison needs to be that deep ball threat. For Rodgers, you know, when you, you're you're looking at three different receivers and they're all covered, Allison needs to be that other guy that's down the field that uh, Aaron Rodgers can just throw the bomb to. On the Rams side, I'm saying Jared Goff's the X Factor. Like, that is that is uh, who I think, if he can throw the ball efficiently, if he can find Brandon Cooks, if he can find Cooper Cup down the field, uh, it's game over, man. I mean, the Packers secondary has just been awful. Outside of HaHa Clinton Dix, there is not much to be happy about when you're a Packers fan, especially with what when what happened with C.J. Beathard. He was throwing dimes all over the field. What the hell is going on? This is a constant problem that Green Bay faces every year. Their secondary is trash. I mean, and that you could also contribute to, you know, the the run defense as well. I mean, we lose we lose Mohamed Wilkerson. That sucks. But Mike Daniels you know, hasn't been the force that we need him to be. Kenny Clark needs to step step up. I mean, Blake Martinez has been making a, quite a bit of tackles. He's a solid part. But Clay Matthews, I mean, bonehead penalties. Like, all all I'm saying is Jared Goff, if he can just find his receivers, he's going to torch. He is going to light up Green Bay's secondary. And that's your X factor. That's the matchup that I'm probably the most, you know, if, if the Rams win on the offense side of the ball as – they should be winning because, look, we know what happened. You guys, you got a little picked apart by C.J. Beathard in that 49ers offense that could not do anything against the Rams. Um, meanwhile, the Rams offense is top 10 in passing, number one in rushing uh, in terms of yards per game, number two in the league in terms of points per game. They are number three. And uh, for the for the Packers defense, they're fourth in yards allowed. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a tall task for them to step it up against this Rams offense because, as we've seen, this, this offense has been has been scary this year. And Ooh, Halloween. <laughs> Halloween just in time. Well, they are scary. I mean, I don't want to see them at my door asking for candy. That shit's scary. I don't want Todd Gurley's coming up to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I – um. I actually got this backwards here. The Packers defense is fourth best in yards allowed. That's really? Wild. Yeah, that's pretty wild. But now, obviously, 
It doesn't convert with me. <laughs> <laughs> Things have been, uh, I think you could say, trending south in the past couple weeks. You know, they benefited from playing Buffalo, who had 145 total yards. Uh, they benefited benefited from the Bears, who hadn't really gotten things going yet, um, and they had, they had to buy. Mitch Mitch was looking pretty good. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, he, he's coming around. He wasn't looking good when you guys played them, um, but they are, in terms of per game defensive stats, the Packers are. Yeah, they're holding up solid. But you know, like we mentioned, there's external factors there, and over the last two weeks. 61 points between the Lions offense, who is solid, and the 49ers offense, that's not. So I think I have more faith in the offense coming out and winning this game for the Rams than the defense, more because of what we talked about on the Packers side of the ball. I think, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a shootout. I mean, if, if the Packers need to make it a shootout, though, they have to convert on third down. They have to, you know, make the big plays, and that's the only way that Green Bay, I think, stays in this game because there's no way in hell that defense is going to come out and essentially punch the Rams offense in the mouth. That's not going to happen. They're going to get torched. It's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> the, so the, uh, the only way that Green Bay stays in this is, you know, Aaron Rodgers. How confident do you feel about the the line protecting Aaron Rodgers right now? Because obviously uh, Aaron Donald's coming off a four-sack game, leading the league in sacks right now after – somehow being criticized for not getting enough sacks. Uh, Dominican Sue down there. There's, there's a lot of tough guys to guard in that front. Now, our outside linebackers are weak, but that interior part of the line is the, probably the most frightening in the league. Yeah, and that's another issue. I mean, the line, our offensive line hasn't been terrible. It hasn't been great. It's been kind of mediocre. You know, and, and in Wisconsin sports, we're used to good offensive lines for the most part. I mean, you look at the Wisconsin Badgers. You look at like where all of those players go in different NFL teams, and they're all, you know, some of them are Hall of Famers: Joe Thomas, Travis Frederick. Like they're, it's 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 usually expected that Green Bay has a good line. Um, injuries obviously really take a toll, but yeah, they get their hands full. But they're coming off a of bye week. I mean, that's time to rest. That's time to rejuvenate, kind of study some game film, watch Aaron Donald. Uh, you know, see how he works, how he functions. Nadamakan Sue as well. This is a game where I think Donald might not shine because they'll probably really scout that out. But that opens the door for somebody else. Exactly. Yeah, that's the benefit of having Aaron Donald is his impact outside of like last week. You usually don't feel it in the box score because just the idea of him being there, you either have to dedicate a lot of your blocking up front to stopping him. And then sometimes that doesn't even do it and he's still – you know, getting in there and wreaking havoc, even if he's not getting the tackles numbers or sometimes the sacks. But it is nice to be able to point to a four-sack game from somebody like that when you paid him uh, like $135 million. Let's get to our predictions here. Beer, I'm going to let you go first. Give me your prediction of the score of this game. So I think the Rams open up a huge lead. Let's say either 28 or 35 points. And Ooh. the Packers climb back in the second half and lose like 20 35 to 28 or something like that like i think this is still going to be a shootout packers haven't been able to come out and punch somebody in the mouth outside of buffalo so this is a game where the green bay is going to be playing from behind probably the whole game yeah i'm gonna go 40 to 31 rams here first game back in the coliseum in a couple weeks last game was week four against minnesota i think that 
they are going to have their hands full on defense. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they did come out and kind of, you know, put the clamps on early. Or, but I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a, a good day here. I have a little faith that Marcus Peters is going to contain Devontae Adams, but I, right now with how he's played this season, I don't feel solely confident that he could just take him out of the game. Uh, I would like to see it because it's going to be a good test for him to see if he's fully healthy finally, but I don't see that happening. Rodgers is too good. The There's a lot of talent in the receiving core. We mentioned the Jimmy Graham problem. Maybe they finally get Aaron Jones involved. I, I don't see that happening. I don't have the faith in Mike McCarthy there. But, yeah, I think the Rams will be in control for most of the game, but it's going to be one we're going to have to sweat out. I think the the Packers will be right in there for the whole game, but you know, Rodgers is going to do his best to pull him through, but I think the the defense – or sorry, I think the Rams' offense is going to be too much to handle for the Packers, and ultimately I think that's what happens, and we wind up 8-0, and which is pretty wild. You can never – you know, that is a big – I didn't realize that the – I mean, I knew the Rams were undefeated, but damn, 8-0. Yeah. It'd be just a terrible shame if Aaron Rodgers were to spoil that. <laughs> well, look, realistically, our next four games are Green Bay, then on the road at New Orleans, then home against Seattle, and then Mexico City against the Chiefs. I think there's a chance we go two and two. I think real. I think what I'd expect is we go three and one. But uh, this is a tough game. All four of these are really tough games. I think. Green Bay is not as tough as New Orleans or Kansas City right now, but it's they still have the best player out of any of these teams in Aaron Rodgers. Even if he's maybe lost a half a step here, he's he's still probably the best quarterback in the league. And I know we got Pat Mahomes coming up too. Well, we we are thankful for twelve God, and uh, you know hopefully the Packers can you know had some good rest. They slept, maybe saw some family members, relaxed a little bit more. So they're ready to come back focused and, you know, give the Rams a, a run for their money. I think it's possible, but, you know, it's 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 hard to see it. It's hard to see a win. It's hard to see it, especially when when your secondary is uh, non-existent. They're being ghosts for Halloween, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'll be a fun game, I think. I think it'll, uh, I think it'll be a close one. I think I'll, I'll probably be sweating because – Got what we have to avoid is giving Aaron Rodgers the ball back when he has when he's down three or six. You know we need to have a nice, comfortable two touchdown lead when he gets the ball later. Not two touchdown, just two possession when he gets the ball later in the game. But beer, where can we follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at beer here. Love it. You can follow me at Steve Ribeiro. Uh, you can follow Rams Talk at Talk Rams. You could follow us on Facebook at facebook.com Rams Talk. Uh, my usual co-host, Johnny, who we all know, except Beer, you probably don't know him. He is back next week, and he's also back on Twitter as part of his bet for the Rams being 7-0. and So go follow him at johnny 5 not 6 and don't forget to find Rams Talk on wherever you're getting your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and Spotify. All right, for Beer, for Norm, this is Steve Ribeiro. We'll be back with Johnny next week, and hopefully the Rams will be 8-0. We'll talk to you guys later. Go back, go. Nah.
Santa's dropping off way more than you expected this year. Thanks to Xfinity, the whole family can enjoy great coverage and fast, reliable internet speed up to gig, all at a great value. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.